As the uh, kids are heading out, if you would, take your Bibles and open to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look this morning at a couple of different portions of the Sermon on the Mount as we continue this series of, of messages. One quick announcement as the kids were heading out, it made me think about earlier, we're doing the Easter egg hunt on that day before Easter, that Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We still need a little bit more individually wrapped pieces of candy, non-meltable individually wrapped pieces of candy that we can put in the eggs. If a kid opens their egg and the egg is empty, you can feel bad about it, you know, if you don't bring the candy. So uh, if that breaks your heart, you know, you can bring, I'm just saying, you know, we don't want kids opening empty eggs or anything like that. But, uh, but no, that, that's one other thing that if, just a way to serve, a way to be involved. I know many of you go out of town on spring break and so you're not here during that time to be able to serve and be able to help. But that's one way that we would uh, appreciate you uh, helping out. We're going to do something this morning that I've never done before. I hope it's not the last time I do it. But we are going to do a team-up sermon. I'm going to partner with James, and we're going to, you're going to get two sermons for the price of one this morning. So not two 30-minute sermons. You're going to get two 15-minute sermons uh, for the price of one. It's, James is supposed to go 15 minutes. We'll see if he, uh, if he holds to that or not. But uh, you will also notice that James and I happen to be color-coordinated we did not call each other before to ask what we were wearing. We might have texted each other just to check, but we did not call each other ahead of time to plan, okay? So uh, I want to go on record that we did not try to match this morning, but it just kind of worked out that way. Here's the direction of the, of the sermon this morning, or sermons, plural, this morning. A few weeks ago, we talked about giving. Oh, you almost made it. Good try. That was so close. I was going to see. Can I just tell you again, we love having kids here. It is absolutely great. And everything is always cuter when it's somebody else's kid. If that would have been my kid, it would have been a really big deal. But it's other, other people's kids. I was preaching one time, and I looked down, and there was a little kid right next to me. Like, I have no idea how they snuck up on me, but... Uh, I've also got another good preaching story, but I'm cutting into James's time, so I can't, I can't tell that story right now. <clears throat> but the focus this morning is on what does it look like to live kingdom lives that are focused toward God? Because let's be honest, when we walk out of here and we go about our lives this afternoon, whatever you do this afternoon, when you wake up tomorrow, everything in our world focuses us away from God. Very few things do we encounter that automatically focus us toward God. The question we're asking this morning is, as you leave this place, as you wake up tomorrow, what can you do to focus your life on God? If we want our lives to be oriented, pointed in that direction, what can we do? And Jesus gives us two things in the Sermon on the Mount that we can do to focus our lives on God. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse Five. Here's what it says. I'm going to read from a different translation that's on the screen, so you can read on the screen or read in the copy that's in front of you. J or Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. 
Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then, right now, would you join in with me in reciting the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What is the hardest thing to do? Or what is the hardest way to talk to someone when you're at home? Now, granted, it could be argued that maybe through video games, you're trying to communicate to someone, they're involved in some sort of other task, and and I'll give you that one. But I would say that the hardest thing to do when when you're trying to to talk to someone at home, the hardest way to talk to them is through a door. Am I right? I mean, have you ever tried to talk to someone through a door at your house? All of a sudden, uh, someone's in the the bedroom, someone's in the bathroom, they're getting ready, and you're like, you're trying to talk through the door, and hey, uh, are are you doing okay today? How are you feeling? I used to have that all the time. It seems like communication is lost when you try to talk to someone through a door. And it doesn't, like when I was a kid, my mom's here today, so, so forgive me, but when I was a kid, uh, it seemed like that happened a lot. I, uh, I, you know, I would be in the bedroom, I'd be in the bathroom, and maybe it would be a little while, and so, sure enough, coming up, pop, pop, pop. hey James, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, leave me alone. Are you, are, are, what, what, are you okay? Do you need any help? No, I'm good. And, like, and, and it seems like then you try to get into a discussion. Have y'all done that recently? Get into a discussion, like through a door? And it doesn't matter because then it just starts to sound a little muffled a little bit. And so like you get your face closer to the door and you're like, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so what do you do? You wait, right? It's like, why even talk through the door? Like, why just let's wait and have a better conversation later on and the more i got to thinking about that the more i got to thinking like that's kind of like us with prayer isn't it it seems like for us sometimes like we we wait because we're like you know i feel like there's a door between me and god there, there, maybe there's a ceiling. Maybe you feel like your prayers have hit the ceiling. You're like, there's something between me and there's something between God. Like, I can't talk to God right now. Or he, he's not listening to me or he's not answering my prayers. So I'm just going to wait and not pray. And that happens to us all too often. And you feel like the communication is lost between you and God. And so you think, well, why should I pray? Maybe, maybe it's been a while that you, since you've actually talked to God. Because maybe, maybe he didn't answer you when you thought that he was going to answer you immediately. And so you prayed again, and then he didn't answer you. And then you prayed again, and then he didn't answer you. And then you prayed again. And so maybe for you, you're like, you know, I'm just, why, why, why pray? There's some sort of door. There's some sort of barrier. There's some sort of ceiling between me and God. And so I'm just going to wait. 
You ask, well, why pray? Maybe you ask the question, you know, uh, am I supposed to pray because I'm supposed to? I mean, like, is that why I should pray? Or, or, or maybe for you, you've heard before, like, the one who prays lives, right? And I go, well, why in the world should I pray? You know, Jesus, three times in, the, in, those, in those four verses, and I love it. I love frequency in the Bible. Anytime, like, you get a certain section or certain group of verses, or even over the whole scope of the Bible, whenever you see something pop up over and over and over again, you're like, that's got to be important. So when Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when he says that three times, it's almost as if Jesus assumes that you're praying and that you should be praying. And maybe you're in here this morning, you know, James, I haven't prayed today. Maybe it's been a while since I've prayed. Well, the question is, well, why don't we pray? I just want to ask that question. I'm going to throw that one out there this morning because if we're trying to focus our lives around Jesus and if we're trying to orient our hearts around everything of Jesus in this life, then then prayer is one of those ways that we can do that. So what are some of these barriers? I would say if, if, if we're looking at some barriers, why don't we pray? You see the first one there in verse 5. Whenever you pray, don't, don't be like the who. Oh, man, isn't that like a cuss word in Christianity? Like, me, like you've tried to talk to someone about coming to church. Well, I don't want to be where those hypocrites are. Or maybe you've used that recently yourself. I'm like, well, I don't want to come because of those or maybe I would feel like, and Jesus like, don't be like the hypocrites. The folks that are hypocrites when they pray are the ones who maybe use prayer flippantly. Oh man, I'm going to pray for my Lamborghini right now. And that's just, you know, you know a, a, a weird example. But like you get folks that like pray about the, the craziest things that maybe they shouldn't be talking about. God, I really want a Lamborghini, please. Please help that girl to like me. Like I deal with that in student ministry all the time. Man, I really like, wish so-and-so would like, it's not going to happen, Sorry. Wait five more years, then, then wait five more years after. Like, but like, sometimes people use prayer flippantly. Sometimes they abuse prayer. And maybe you've been around people that have abused prayer. Maybe you've seen that modeled to you, and you've seen someone model prayer with these big lofts. And you're like, you know, that's not... I mean, like these folks here, it says, these hypocrites, they love to pray standing in the synagogue, standing in the churches, in front of people that can see them, the religious people and on the street corners to be seen by people. Or another, another example would be like they would beat their chest so folks could see how great their prayers are. And Jesus is like, don't be like those people. Maybe that's why it turned you off from praying. The second thing is he says that there's some idolaters. He says there in, um, in verse 7, he says, don't babble like the idolaters. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many, many words. I, you know, I, I get students, I put them on the spot. I love putting people on the spot because it's one of my favorite things to do. But uh, I love talking with students and I'm, and, and I'm like, hey, it's your turn to pray. And they're like, uh, I don't know how. What? What do you mean you don't know how to pray? Because like we've seen it modeled so many times before. Maybe like the way Jesus says, like with idolaters, folks that babble, like with their many words. And so like we put inside of our minds already, like I can't pray like them because I don't have a massive vocabulary. There's not a thesaurus walking around in my brain, so I don't know what to do. And you're like, well, maybe I just will shut down and I won't pray. And yet Jesus says, don't be like those, those folks. In fact, in 1 Kings 18, he says, uh, <laughs> this is really neat. They say, so they took the bull. I don't know if you remember the story. So they took the bull that he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember this story? Maybe you've heard it before. Baal and like all of his prophets, or not Baal because he didn't exist, but all these prophets of this fake god Baal versus uh, versus Elijah. And so like, they come together and they're like, "Okay, let's you know, let's do this whole thing." And they say, "Baal, answer us!" But there was no sound; no one answered. Then they 
danced, hobbling around the altar that they had made. Jesus like, don't be like the idolaters, these folks that are dancing around trying to get things to get them noticed. Because that's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Maybe you've seen it that way. In Ecclesiastes 5, 2, it says, Don't be hasty to speak. Don't be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven and you you are on earth, so let your words be few. We don't have to have a massive thesaurus walking around in our brain. We don't have to have all these big lofty words. It doesn't have to be eloquent and articulate. You don't have to say all the words properly. I don't even know how to that word pisgah. I don't, know, I don't know how to say it. I've sang that song a million times. Sweet hour of prayer. I love that song, but it's like Mount... So I don't know how to say it. When you are talking to Jesus the creator of the world, and you're orienting your life around Jesus, you don't have to say the words properly. All you've got to do is put your heart out there and say, Jesus, I, 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 want, I just want to be real with you, and this is as real as it gets. I don't want to have that wrong view of God. So with a few moments left, the question is, how should we pray? So those are some barriers, but how should we pray? Verse 6, if you look in your, in your copy, it says, but... When you pray, I love it. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. But when you pray, this is how you do it. You go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. Like so many times, like you're trying to talk to God as if he's on the other side of the door. And instead, Jesus is like, no, no, no. You need to get rid of all the distractions and you need to get in there. In fact, if there's one idea I could give you this morning, it would be this. That prayer matters more when you shut the door. Prayer matters more when you shut the door. Like prayer, talking to Jesus matters more when you shut the distractions out and you just get with you and God for a moment. And you're like, God, I'm going to give you just these few moments. It could be 10 seconds. It could be two minutes. It could be four hours. God, I'm going to give you these these times, these moments, and it's going to be distraction-free. And maybe, maybe if you have some distractions, you'll bring a notepad and you're like, okay, there's a distraction. I've written it down. I'll get to that later. But I just want to spend a few moments talking to the creator of the universe as I try to orient and focus my life around him. Prayer matters more when you shut the door. You need to close out the barriers, the distractions, maybe even the false motivations and just for a moment be real, be genuine with God. And the second thing I would put around that is that you need to center around Jesus. And you use prayer to orient your life around Jesus and your heart around Jesus and the heartbeat of what Jesus is all about. And, that, and that that's what your focus becomes because prayer orients your hopes and your dreams and your thoughts all around, around Jesus. I want to share with you a story for these next three minutes and then, I'll, and then, then I'm going to hand it off to Owen. Prayer recently has become a big deal in our family. Uh, I'm really excited about it because... Uh, went to a, uh, went to a men's Bible study not too long ago. Like we, we did a study. It's over now. It was only five weeks. It was called Faith Commander. And if you were one of the lucky guys that got to come to our Faith Commander Bible study, it was great. One, one of the, I mean, it was the smallest little sentence in this book. I, I feel like it was the smallest sentence they printed. And like we didn't even harp on it that night because it wasn't even like a big thought or big idea. But, but the writers of it, Corey and Chris, They write, what matters is that you talk with God ravenously in front of your kids. It was like the smallest thing at the bottom of a paragraph, at the bottom of a page. And like when I heard that, what matters is that you you talk with God ravenously in front of your kids. And so... I, man, that just hit me in, the, in between the eyeballs. And I told Ron, he was, he was leading the study. I told, I told Owen. And, and, but immediately when I came home, I told my wife, I said, hey, listen, 
I've done a horrible job of us modeling prayer in front of our kid. And so, like, from then on, like, we, we, we pray now. As a, like, we pray together as a family. It's not like just me and Mary praying together because we would do that. But, like, we, would, we model it in front of our kids. And, and so it's so great, like, that we do this in the morning. And some of you are like, wow, you're, you're, you're a paid minister. You should be praying in front of your kids. You should be perfect all the time. Well, no, I'm not. So maybe you're like me, and you're like, I have not been modeling prayer in front of my kids. And so it's so great. So every morning we get together, like, with Chloe and with Grayson, and, and I always explain Grayson isn't old enough to understand what we're doing right now, but he knows we're holding hands, and he knows that we're bowing our heads for a moment, and we're talking. And so he'll get it one day. It's, it's neat to see like how Chloe's been, uh, how she's been like you know getting getting into praying together as a family because uh, uh, just the other day we forgot to pray and so we're heading off to school and Chloe's like daddy 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 I'm like what 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 you know I'm driving to school like is something about to hit is there a bear in the woods you know what's going on and like she's like daddy we forgot to pray all right cool. So we prayed. Like, uh, just this last week, uh, we were driving to school, and, uh, and Chloe, uh, I said, hey, baby, we forgot to pray this morning. And you know what she said to me? She said something that maybe some of you say sometimes. Daddy, I don't feel like praying today. Oh, man, that's a teachable moment going on in my brain. I said, we need to pray, babe. We need to talk with God. Even when we don't feel like talking with God, we need to pray. We need to talk to Jesus. And so we did. And what was cool is, like, as we were praying together, like she started to like, her, her countenance changed and she started to add things. Oh, daddy, let's pray for this. I'm like, cool, let's pray for that too. And then at the very end of our prayer, we always say, and Jesus, and, and everybody said, amen. And like, so she amended. I'm like, all oh, right. She, it turned her day around. Prayer becomes significant when you take it seriously. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, is will you make it a priority in your life? Will you make it a priority in your life? Don't try to, to talk to God through a door. Instead, like, talk to God on the same side. Like, put out those distractions, whatever it is, or the, whatever those reasons are why you don't want to pray. Put those out for a moment and shut that door with you and God in there together. We're pretty familiar with this concept of prayer because it's everywhere in some form or fashion. Like, we've seen it. It is everywhere. But Jesus also talks about fasting, Especially in our relationship with him. Because, because fasting, like as far as focusing and orienting on God, like orienting our, our lives around Jesus, fasting is more crucial than you think. All right, so we've got this idea of prayer focuses on God. And then Jesus also talks about fasting. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been the third wheel on a date uh, maybe your best friend has a date and you get invited along or an older sibling was going out on a date and your parents sent you along. It's awkward to be the third wheel uh, on a date. They've outlawed a lot of three-wheeled vehicles because they wreck easily. If you want to wreck your date, just bring along a third wheel. And that's pretty much guaranteed so that it will be wrecked. I think that in this passage, fasting must feel like the third wheel. Because Jesus says back there in verse 2, when you give to the poor. And then in verse 5, he says, when you pray. And as James has already said multiple times, when you pray. And then you get down to verse 16 in Matthew chapter 6, and it says, when you fast. The exact same phrase. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Now, if your story looks anything like mine, and you grew up in church, you saw giving, you saw praying, 
but you probably almost never saw fasting or heard about it. It's the third wheel that's left. It just doesn't seem to fit. Like, which of these is not like the other? Fasting seems to be that thing that doesn't fit in there. The question is, is it important? And if it is, what does it look like to make that part of our lives? And what I want to pick up on from what James was saying is this idea that prayer focuses us toward God and fasting does the same thing. Fasting is designed to focus our lives toward God. It's not just another thing we add to our lives because we realize we're not about adding additional religious rituals to our lives. There's something about fasting that God gives it to us as a gift so that we'll be able to focus our lives on him. Okay, first thing, if you're not familiar with the concept of fasting, what is fasting? Fasting, very simply, is just abstaining from food, not eating food for a select period of time in order to focus on something else. Fasting is a part of all kinds of religions around the world. It's not just a Christian thing. You can be a part of a lot of religious groups and they fast. Some people fast for political reasons. You've heard of people going on food protests where they don't eat for a certain amount of time. If you were watching the news recently over in New Orleans, not the airport incident, but the incident about the person that climbed up into the tree in City Park because they were going to build a golf course there, and so they were protesting by climbing up in the tree and not eating, and you, you have this idea of a political protest with food. Food can come, this idea of fasting, not eating, comes in a lot of forms, which is why Jesus says there is a way to fast like the hypocrites fasted, where the only purpose was to put the focus on yourself, was to draw attention to yourself. But the whole purpose of fasting, Jesus tells us, is to put the focus of your life back on God. Now, let me offer a caveat at the very beginning. If you take medicine, and on that pill box or pill bottle, it says, take with food, please take with food, okay? I'm, there are situations in life where you don't need to be abstaining from food for a period of time. If your pill bottle says take food, take food. I'm very hesitant, especially with teenagers, and teenagers hear me out on this, to practice fasting because when you're already study, or struggling with body image issues, being told to not eat food for a period of time can actually prove to be a very dangerous thing. But what we find is there are ways to fast that don't just involve not eating a meal. Because fasting is abstaining or not doing something that you hunger to do. So if there is something that you hunger for, that you feel like you need every day, fasting would not be doing that. Here's some examples. You hunger to check social media or Facebook or, or be on the internet. And you think, there is no way that I could go a period of time and not check social media. Fasting from that, now granted, social media and food are two different things. No food for a while, you die. No social media for a while, you're just a happier person. So they're not the same idea, but you can still fast from something. Hobbies, hobbies are another thing that, that you can fast from. You love to play sports, or you love to work out, or you love to fish, and you love to hunt, or you love to shop. Whatever these hobbies are, fasting, not doing that for a while, would be an example of fasting. So you can fast from a meal, which I think is a really powerful way to do it, 
or you can also fast from something else in your life, which I think is also an equally powerful way to live out what Jesus is talking about here. But what's the point? You say, I don't understand. Why would God tell us not to do something for a while? Why would God talk about fasting? Well, I'm going to give you two things really quickly. The first is now in the present, and the second points toward the future. The first thing comes from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. If you look up on the screen, the verse is going to be up there, but it comes from the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed, and blessed is kind of another word for happy, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, or they will be satisfied. Let's be honest. Most of us hunger for a cheeseburger before we hunger for God's righteousness. I mean, that's not just you, that's me. That's, that's the preacher saying that. Our lives are made to hunger for the things of this world, and Jesus says, you will really be blessed You will really find life when you hunger for righteousness, when you hunger for the things of God. And so one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is what are we really hungry for? What do we really want in life? And one of those life lessons that sometimes you learn it when you're 15 and sometimes you learn it when you're 55 is the things that we think will fill up our lives often don't satisfy And many of you could stand up right now and raise your hand and say, I lived for everything that the world had to offer. I hungered for everything that everyone else seemed to hunger for around me. And I thought I had it, and it didn't satisfy. And the reason is because Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Their goal, their stomach is focused toward those things. And here's the point of fasting. I want to make sure I'm not misunderstood at this point. Everything that we've talked about fasting from is a good gift from God. Hobbies are a good gift from God. I want you to fish. I want you to hunt. I want you to shop. Your spouse may not, but it's a good gift. I want you to play golf. I want you to do exercise. I want you to do all of these things. Food, good food is a gift from God. The problem is, is when that gift becomes your God. The problem is, is when that thing of the world begins to consume your life, and what happens, you lose your focus on God, the one true God, the creator of all things. Most of us, our souls, our lives, will not be destroyed by pursuing evil. Our souls and our lives will be destroyed by pursuing the trivial things of this world. Most people, most people are not taken out by something very evil, very gross, very bad. Most people are taken out by good things that get turned into God things. And what fasting does is when I say, I'm not going to do this for a while, I'm gonna put my focus just on the things of God, it says, I'm not dominated by this. I'm not dominated by food, I'm not dominated by my hobby. I'm not dominated from my job. I'm going to put my focus on God. God has built fasting into our lives. It's called sleep. (laughs) And because when you wake up from sleep, what do you eat? 
break fast. That's the way that it works. I don't know about you guys, but I could eat breakfast for every meal of the day. I could eat breakfast for lunch, second breakfast, dinner. It doesn't matter. Amanda asked me what I wanted for my birthday meal this year. Breakfast for dinner. That's all. I could eat breakfast every meal of the day. But the idea of breakfast is that you have slept. And even someone who doesn't believe in God, when you go to sleep, you are putting your trust in something else that you're going to wake up the next morning. You're saying, I don't have to wake up at 3 o'clock and get something to eat in order to survive till the morning. Now, Some of you may wake up at 3 o'clock and get something to eat to survive till the morning, but you don't have to. Your life will continue, and then you can break that fast in the morning. Fasting is taking a break from something so that I will hunger after God. Has there been a time in your life recently that you were not hungry for the things of God? That your life was consumed by something other than God? What God wants us to do is to put our focus back on him, and fasting is one of the ways that we do that. Here's my last point. So it's not just for now. There's also a future aspect for fasting. Look down in Matthew chapter 6, down in verse 19. Here's something really fascinating that I've never understood about the Sermon on the Mount until I was looking at it this last week, studying it. There's this passage on fasting that's in verses 16 through 18. And then look at the very next thing that comes in verses 19 to 21. Do do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying is we don't store up treasures in our house and we don't store up treasures in our stomach because neither one will last. We are supposed to be about kingdom living. Live your life for what matters. Live your life for what will last. And when we fast, we're breaking away from that and saying there is something bigger. Fasting reminds me that the meal that I'm supposed to eat right now is not the end of the world. If you don't get on the internet today, the world will not end because of that action. If you don't go fishing today, the world will not end. It might feel like your world ended, but the world will not end. Fasting reminds us that there is something more to this world. There's something more than what we live in right now, which means that fasting One of the most powerful things that it does in our lives is it brings the sense of justice. It brings the sense of brokenness. We live in a broken world. There are kids that went to bed last night without food. There are kids that woke up this morning in broken families. You may be without a job right now. You may be going through extreme sickness right now. You may be living in a very broken situation And fasting in scripture is one of those times that we lay ourselves before God and say, God, I know this world is broken and our only hope is you. And so I'm going to turn away from the things of this world and I'm going to focus myself on you. Now the question is, how do we do that? How do we pray? How do we fast? 
How do we point our lives toward the things of God and not just toward the things of this world? James and I wanted to get a couple of extra voices to go with our. So Mary and Trey, if you guys will come up here for just a minute. We figured we already had two people talking, so why not four? You know, we'll just add two more to the, uh, Trey, come over here since you're brave enough to talk about fasting. Uh, this doesn't look like a man who's fasted very much, but uh, just kidding. You got all that muscle there, so uh, um, we just want to talk for a minute about what does prayer and fasting look like in our lives? What does it look like to focus ourselves on God? So James, go ahead and take it. We're, Mary and I were talking this week, and uh, she shared a couple stories with me. And one of those, uh, you know, I really want to bring out uh, this morning. Uh, could you share with them uh, about your aunt just a moment, uh, and 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 how crucial and how important prayer was in her life? Okay, my aunt um, was actually a great aunt. Her name's Noon, and in the last few years of her life, she was bedridden and blind. And somebody at the nursing home was cruel enough to say to her. Do you still really believe in God? You've spent your life serving him. She had been a a missionary and medical missionary in North Appalachia. Um, And she said, no, more than ever I believe in him. And the lady was sort of nonplussed because she said, you cannot, you know, this is a horrible way to live, bedridden and blind. You can't enjoy it. She said, I spend my days in prayer. And she named off, and this is the reason I found out about this, She named off some people, including myself, who at the time was a stay-at-home mom with three preschoolers. And she said, those people don't have time to pray for themselves. They're busy. They just aren't going to make the time. So because I don't have anything else to distract me, I spend my time in prayer. She felt she was of even greater service then than when she had been a medical missionary. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. All right, Trey, kind of picking up on that, that, that beautiful story about someone, you know, who has practiced prayer, what have you seen modeled with fasting? What are some examples, some ways you've learned about fasting? Uh, I know this is something you've become passionate about and wanting to learn more about, so what's, what's your story on that? You'll have to hold it up close to you. Um, other than just reading through Scripture and seeing it time and time again, um, it seems like over the past few years it's something that God's continued to just... Uh, put in my life or, or just become more apparent. Um, for example, uh, Secret Church uh, this past year, uh, David Platt, the main thing that stuck with me was the moment he said, uh, you know, Jesus time and time again would talk about fasting and like just kind of go along with what you spoke about today is we push uh, giving and praying so much, but he said, you know, Jesus, you see it modeled and, and him speaking more about fasting than those things. And uh, that just kind of hit home with me and uh, just, you know, it was just made it. Yeah, so you, you've, you've had someone reminding you of the importance of, of fasting in, in your life. Uh, Mary, what do, you, what do you kind of identify as maybe some of those barriers that, that we face with prayer and fasting? And maybe you can even speak to fasting uh, in your, your own experience or your family. Well, I haven't done very well with fasting, but on prayer, the biggest barrier, I think, the true door in almost everybody's life is the phone or busyness. I know, and and lack of scheduling. I have two different things with prayer that I'd love to share. One is, if you let, if you don't make it a priority, it's not going to happen that much in the qualityness of it. 
you do need to make it a priority. Two of the things for me is one, in my shower. That's where I'm never going to be interrupted. That's one of my inner rings. You don't have preschoolers at home anymore, so. Uh. <laughs> well, they knew even then yeah. not to. I've got witnesses. They knew not to interrupt me That's in the right. shower. Okay. So, mainly because I locked the door. Yeah, good plan. <laughs> good plan. But if you, I can tell the mornings that I do make that my priority in the shower, I really do have a conversation with God. And my day, not necessarily bad things don't happen, but I handle them in the Christian way. The bad things are still going to happen, but I handle them right. And the other secret or private room for me is typically the car when I'm alone because I can't be distracted checking Facebook or anything else. And, of course, I do keep my eyes open, but God understands that. And so that's a big prayer time. But the other part is commitment, and there's some people in here who've been the benefit. And I really wanted this point. You might, James might come to me and say, Mary, I need you to pray for Chloe. She's having trouble in school or something. If I don't make a specific commitment to him, I have a tendency to not make those prayers. But I will set a time, and yeah, somebody's smiling. There's a couple people smiling. And I'll I'll figure out a time, and I'll say, I'm going to be praying for you each day at such and such time. And then if I've done that, I follow through with those prayers. And I'm dishonoring God if I don't make that commitment. Uh, Trey, what are what are some 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 thoughts or ideas like how we could uh, implement fasting in our lives? What are some tips or tricks that we, well, we could look at? I don't know if it's so much tips or tricks, but uh, as much as like how I've failed at fasting. Um, <laughs> so do so as I you say, get, not as right, you right, do. Yeah. Right. So uh, I think my thing when like whenever I get this idea in my head to do something, I want to know how to do it properly. So I Googled fasting and what that looks like and tried to find something that I could, that I thought I could do. And that's where it became, I guess, more about me. And uh, I found the Daniel fast or whatever. And so explain the, explain the Daniel fast for people who don't know what Yeah, that so is. Daniel fast is uh, based on a scripture, scriptural fast that Daniel and his, uh, his guys went through to uh, sustain from meat and um, other different types of food. But, uh, I mean, the stuff that I had to eat was not really appetizing to me so um i was so focused on that fast and like what was part of that fast that i lost focus on what i was supposed to be paying attention to and uh so when i guess my advice would be that whenever you uh fast it shouldn't be so structured that you're trying to meet the goals of that fast in the sense of uh sustaining from something but you're really paying attention to what you're supposed to be and that's to focus on god and to grow closer in that relationship with him yeah, thanks for that. Now, if, if you're here this morning and you're a guest and you're interested in the things of God, but you haven't been in church in a while and you think, how in the world did I come on the day that they told me not to eat and not to fish? Uh, you know, here say this, and, and let me ask you this question. The one question you can go home with today is, what is my life focused on? It doesn't matter what background you're coming from. It doesn't matter how interested in Jesus you are this morning or why you came to church. Here's the question you can go home with. What is my life focused on? And our prayer and our actions in terms of fasting will answer that question almost more than anything else. And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, we're going to have a response time here in just a few minutes Gail's going to play the piano in the background for us. No words on the screen. We're not singing. Use this time to pray. 
here's your opportunity to put the sermon into action and just say, God, my life is focused on a lot of things, and I want it to be focused on you. Help me to know how to do that. During this time, think about when am I going to pray this week? Is there something I can fast from that will focus me on God? However God leads you in this response time, if you're here and you say, I want to be a part of a church that takes their faith seriously, we're going to be up here at the front, and we would love to pray with you and talk with you about how God is at work in your life. Let me pray for us right now, and we're going to come to our response time in the service. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. We don't need me to speak. We don't need James to speak or Mary or Trey. Father, you work through us, but all we want to do, Father, is point people back to your word. And your word says that your people pray, your people give, your people fast, not to impress you, but because we want our lives to be about more than ourselves. I love what Mary said about a preschool, a mom of preschoolers at home. Or maybe an empty nester who is getting used to a new season in life. Or maybe someone who's gone through a hard transition in life. Or maybe teenagers who are getting ready to move into college. So many things pull our lives away from you. And yet, you are our creator. You are our father. We want our lives to be about you and about your kingdom. God, let us be a church that is faithful in prayer, faithful in giving, faithful in fasting for your glory and for your kingdom. Right where you are, spend the next couple of minutes just praying. If you need someone to pray for you, maybe you're going through a hard time, maybe you're looking to join a a new church, this is your time. You can come up here. James and I will be glad to pray for you. Before you go back out into life, though, use these next two minutes to focus your heart, focus your mind on the things of God.